Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. In these last days, there is coming revelation, understanding in the spirit realm and a greater unfolding and revelation of the word of God that has been designated and planned for this time and for this generation. For the seeds of revelation knowledge and the operations of the Spirit of God moving through men and women, called and anointed of God, placed in the body of Christ for particular times and seasons. And for these last days, I have placed my voice, a voice of the Spirit, a voice even of one crying in the wilderness to make preparations and saying, prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord. And the knowledge of the word of God has grown and increased in these last days. But the understanding of the scriptures that you've seen and that which has been spoken and has been published in recent days and even years is, has just set the stage and is just the beginning of the unfolding of the full understanding of the word of God, not kept from men, but hidden away because men were not perceptive enough to reach. Men were not stirred enough and were not hungry enough to search out the deeper things of God. And so that and that only is the reason why certain things were hidden. They were hidden because I hid them there from the enemy with the intention and purpose of of revealing them to the saints, to the people of God. But it is only those who have stirred themselves up and have hungered for the things of God and to go further and to go deeper and to know more and to experience more of my great greatness and of my plan. Only those who have ventured to take the steps of faith and the boldness to speak have uncovered things and have been shown truth and had knowledge and understanding revealed unto them. And this has occurred because I have sent and set and placed people in the earth for these last days who again would prepare the way of the Lord. And so there is coming the fruition, there is coming the full manifestation of that which has been sown in small measure. That understanding and revelation and insight into the word that has been small And we, many times, even in the natural realm, those of us in the church, we say, oh, what revelation and understanding has been given. But it's small in comparison to that which will come in these last days. And the knowledge of the Lord will truly fill the earth through the body of Christ in these last days. The understanding of secrets, the understanding of things in the spirit realm that have seemed unaccessible, and unlearnable and unknowable, an unknowable will be made manifest and will be unlocked and will come into understanding. Men and women will rise up in these last days and walk in the fullness of the plan of God. The word of God will be fulfilled. All that has been prophesied concerning the church in the last days will come to pass. It will come to pass. For I have planned it, says the Lord. I have ordained it. I have decreed it. And I have stirred the church to rise up and to cast off the traditions of men and the things of the past, the weak and beggarly elements of natural thinking, and to rise up and to dare, dare to venture into the realm of the Spirit. And it's coming to pass in the last days, says the Lord. 
that as it has been said of old, it will be said in these last days, those that know God, that really know him and that know the word of God will be bold, will do exploits and great and mighty things will take place and then the end will come and the church will be called away and that which has been planned and purposed will be consummated. And oh, the glory, oh, the glory, oh, the majesty, oh, the wonder of it all. It will have to be transferred into heaven at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high, even the marriage supper of the lamb. It'll have to transplace in that place because the, the, the conditions of this earth will not be able to contain or to bear that which will come to pass. So be encouraged and know that the last days are here and the word of the Lord will be accomplished and the plan of God will be completed and you will go to places you've never gone before. You will soar to heights unknown and see that which has not been seeable and to know that which has not been knowable and you will walk in the very fullness of God in these last days. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Turn with me to John's, the 14th chapter, and let's look at verse number 12. Hallelujah. In the 14th chapter of John, verse 12, Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do will he do also. And greater the works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Son may be glorified, the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. <clears throat> This is a passage, particularly verse 12, that's quoted very often. Jesus said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. I want to pick up on something I said this morning and, and uh, dig a little deeper in this particular vein I was in this morning. And... I pointed out this morning that tradition has magnified the deity of Christ uh, exclusively. We magnify the deity of Christ, but not exclusively. In other words, we magnify the deity of Christ, but we also acknowledge the, the, the natural side, and I shouldn't say the natural side, the human side, the man side. Modern religion only focuses on the divinity of Christ, doesn't understand the humanity of Christ at all, and that gives place to the limitation that you see in the church today where no one really aspires to do the works of Christ because they see him as the son of God and able to do the things he did because he was God. But what I've been talking about on Sunday mornings is that he didn't do any of the things he did as God. Nothing in his earthly life and ministry did he accomplish by virtue of being God. He accomplished all that he did as a man who had been anointed by the Holy Spirit and so, like I said this morning, when Jesus knew things supernaturally, when he would just know things about people, he didn't do that because he was God. He wasn't pulling on the infinite uh, 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 omniscience of God. That's not what he was drawing on. He was yielding to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would reveal things to him. When Jesus healed the sick, he, he did that by the anointing, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. 
with the Holy Spirit and power. If you go back and look at that verse, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, that has to be, that's emphasizing his humanity. Because how could, how could God be anointed? Who's going to anoint God? How God anointed Jesus, notice Jesus of Nazareth. When, when the scripture says Jesus of Nazareth, like in Acts 2, you know, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and said, men and brethren, Jesus of Nazareth, a man, approved to God. When, when he said Jesus of Nazareth, just in case you weren't wondering, he was from Nazareth. And in, in remember, remember what uh, uh, Andrew and Philip, when whichever one came first, was it Philip? Then he went and got Andrew, his brother, and said, we found the Christ, Jesus from Nazareth. And, 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 and uh, Andrew said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? <laughs> See, that's, that's identifying his humanity. That's like saying, Doug Brown from, are you from Stark? Doug Brown from Stark. <laughs> I guarantee you there are people from Stark. <laughs> he said, don't go there. I guarantee you there's some people from Stark who know some things about Doug that would amaze you. And not necessarily in a good way. Isn't that right? And if you started talking about the Doug you know, they would say, you talking about the Doug Brown from Stark? You know what I'm saying? The Doug Brown from Stark? Yeah. Well, Jesus of Nazareth. See, that's identifying his humanity. He was from that no good town of Nazareth. No, nothing good could come out of Nazareth. So Jesus, he was a man, but he was anointed, even from Nazareth, but he was anointed by the Holy Ghost. And what he did, he did, he went about, he was anointed of the Holy Ghost and he went about doing good and healing. He did it by the anointing, the healing anointing, he also did it by gifts of healings, which are not those are not necessarily the same thing. He had the working of miracles. Jesus didn't take five loaves and two fish and, and break it and feed the multitude because he was God and God can do anything. That was the spiritual gift of the working of miracles in operation. When he walked on the water, he didn't do that because, well, God is God of the, of the natural realm and he can, he can set aside the laws of nature anytime he wants it. No, he, he didn't do that as God. Remember, he emptied himself. So when Jesus walked on the water, he did that. That, again, was a gift of the working of miracles and probably special faith. So all the miraculous that Jesus accomplished, he did so by the empowering of the spirit that is available to every one of us. That's why Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also. And even greater works than these. Well, a lot of, there's been a lot of debate about what the greater works are. I just like what, what uh, Brother Hagin said. He heard it from somebody else. He said, well, let's just, let's just do the works and then we'll deal with the greater works. Until we've done the works, let's not be too carried away with the greater works. Amen. It's sort of uh, uh, hypocritical to be trying to analyze what the greater works are and we don't have the works. Isn't that right? But he said, the works that I'll do shall you do also. And he said, the person who believes in me. Now that's any believer. Is that any believer? Or do you, did, would that apply to anybody that believes in, in him? Now, I said this morning, I want to clarify something. I want to put everything in, in its proper place. Let me, let me back up and preface this this way. A number of years ago, I was preaching right here in this, in this auditorium. And I was talking about what I was talking about this morning. Where in, uh, go over there with me to John, the third chapter. This morning, I didn't remember where it was located, so I looked it up. John chapter 3. John the Baptist is the one talking here 
And his disciples came to him and they said, uh, Rabbi, verse number 26, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, he's talking about Jesus, to whom you testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, that was talking about John, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. And then speaking of Christ, he said, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and comes and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure. Now I'm reading the new King James. The older King James says, does not give, point it out to me, find it for me. For God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. If you're, if you're holding an older King James, you'll notice the words unto him are italics. They're in italics, that means they're not in the original. So the, the new King James translators left those words out because the Greek just says, for God does not give the spirit by measure. But you can, you can sometimes, you know, the, the older King James, they, they, and even the new King James still adds words in italics because sometimes it helps us. Sometimes it doesn't help us and sometimes it does. This is one occasion with the words unto him helped us. Because it's obvious he's talking about him. Are you following me? Did you, read, did you follow with me in the context? He who, from, who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies. Verse 34, he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. That's talking about Jesus. For God does not give the spirit by measure well, it's obviously talking about him, so God does not give the spirit by measure unto him. Though that's not in the text, it's implied that he's, he's talking about him. Who else is he talking about? Now, we know it has to be talking about Jesus because, like I said this morning, when it comes to you and I, God does give the spirit by measure. I said, God does give the spirit by measure. Now, a few years ago, right here in this church, I was preaching along this line. And I said that, what I said this morning, the Lord Jesus had the spirit without measure. We have the spirit by measure. And this man came up to me and he, and he challenged me. He said, I don't believe that's true. He said, I believe that every Christian, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they receive the full measure of the Holy Spirit. Well, uh, the Bible doesn't teach that. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. We've been in Hebrews, Hebrews 2 a lot lately, haven't we? Hebrews 2, verse number 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness through those who heard him. Verse, verse four is a description of how those who heard him confirmed what he said and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders 
various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Now, the word gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word gifts there in this expression, gifts of the Holy Spirit, this is not the same word that's translated gifts over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, that word that's translated gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 is the word charisma. This word is a different word. It's a different word for gifts. And like the margin of my Bible points out, this word means distributions. Distributions of the Spirit. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and distributions of the Spirit according to his own will. God distributes the Spirit among us. No one believer has all the distributions of the Spirit. No one Christian has all of the anointings that were upon Jesus. Now, we, we understand this about Jesus, his, his humanity. He was in all ways a man. But remember, he was not a man in exactly the way you and I are. He was a man in the, in the way, he was a man like Adam. He's called the last Adam. Isn't that right? Adam had something going for him that you and I don't have. And that is Adam did not have an inherent sinful nature. I'm not talking about in his spirit. I'm talking about that selfishness of the flesh. He didn't have that. Adam had never sinned before he sinned. Before Adam and Eve reached and took of the forbidden fruit, they had never sinned. They were sinless. They had never failed God. There was no sin, transgression, uh, wrong in them. And yet, when tempted, they yielded to temptation. The difference is Jesus also being sinless. Now, what's the difference between he, you, him and, and, and us? We have in our flesh a fallen nature that's passed down from our fathers going all the way back to Adam. There is a flaw in us. Now, our spirits are recreated in Christ Jesus. We become a new man in Christ in our spirit, but that flaw is still in our flesh. That's why born-again people, husband and wife, can have a child and that child still has the, the sinful nature of the flesh that the parents have, though they're born again. Adam didn't have that, and Christ didn't have that. Neither one of them had that. It's the only way Christ was different from us in his humanity is he didn't have that. Now, Adam was tempted, and he sinned. Jesus was tempted, and he didn't sin. He could have sinned. It was, it, it was within his power and ability to sin, to disobey God. And yet he had no sin in him. Think about that. He lived 33 years and never made a false step. Never at one time did he ever sin. Never at one time did he ever disobey God. Never at one time did he ever fail. Jesus said about himself, he said, I do always those things which please my father. Let's have a show of hands. How many can say that? I don't see any takers. Jesus said, I always obey the will of my father I never fail to do what my father asked me to do. Now, Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. 
That's what that verse in John 3 says. God did not give the spirit unto him by measure. Jesus in his physical body was neither mortal nor immortal. His body wasn't a glorified body, but it was not a body that was subject to death either because there was no sin in it. The reason our bodies gradually decay, uh, uh, Dan was talking about what happens to you when you get old and Brother Doug was behind me saying, I'm not receiving that, I'm not taking that. No, 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 I'm not taking that. If you look at me, you'll notice I don't look like I looked like when I was 30. What's that from? What, what, what's, what's, where, where, what, where does that come from? God didn't create Adam to age. I mean, the man lived 930 or 35 years. That's a long time. It took 930 years for his flesh to finally succumb to sin and death. That's how God created man. And if Adam had never sinned, he'd still be alive today, 6,000 years plus later. He'd still be here. There is working in our flesh something that wasn't working in Jesus. He didn't have that going on in his flesh. He came to maturity and topped out. He came to maturity and there he was. And that's why we have the picture of him at 30 years of age, 30 to 33, the prime of life. There was no decay. There was no aging. He had, he had gone from a, a child, from a baby to a child to an adolescent to a young man and that he had reached maturity. If he was still here, if the plan of God had, had been for him to stay longer, when he was 60 or 90, he'd have looked like he, just like he did when he was 33 because there's no aging. That aging is part of the corruption, as part of the mortality of our flesh. Our flesh is mortal. And unless Jesus returns, everybody in this room, your bodies will decline and decline and decline and you'll pass away. Like somebody said, nobody's getting out of here alive. <laughs> if Jesus was in our congregation in about 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, he'd be by himself. <laughs> So he had something going for him that we don't have, okay? And because of that, because he was neither mortal nor immortal, he didn't become mortal until he became sin on the cross. Because of that, he could embody all of the Holy Spirit. You and I have the Spirit by measure and there's multiple reasons for that. One is because you can't handle all of the anointing that was upon Jesus. You couldn't physically do it. Your body's not capable of doing it. Another reason why is because God has distributed Christ among us. We are all part of Christ. Christ, like I say so often, is not just one man anymore. There's one man at the head in heaven, Jesus the Christ, but his body is made up of all of us. That's a mystery none of us fully can, can really fully understand, but it's true. And because of that, the anointing that is, that is upon him has been shared with all of us. And, and I'll come back to that point in a minute. Another reason why we don't have the full anointing that Jesus has had is because we're not qualified for it. Now, I'm not talking about 
I'm not talking about being qualified to partake of our inheritance. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about anointing and ministry. If you know anything about the anointing, you know that the anointing is stronger the more obedient you are. And the anointing is weaker the less obedient you are. The more carnal you are, the less anointing you have. Now, there have been some mighty carnal men in ministry down through the years. We're most, we're most familiar with the healing revival. And when we were at Ramah, they, they gave, did y'all, did y'all get the book, All Things Are Possible, when you went to Ramah? When we went to Ramah, one of our textbooks was entitled All Things Are Possible, and it was written by a non-believer. It was one of our textbooks. It was one of, our, one of the books we got when we, part of our tuition. And it was written by a non-Christian. And it was a man named Harold, and he was a uh, religi- religiographer, I guess. He studied religious movements. And he studied, he was, he was uh, an investigative reporter really for, for one of the major newspapers in America and an author. And he investigated the healing revival that took place from 1947 and, and 19, what's it, 1948 to 1957, somewhere in those years. This man studied all of the healing evangelists and, and wrote about them and chronicled the whole movement. And he, and he, he right in the, in, the, in the preface of his book, he said, I'm not a believer in these things. I don't believe in this. But he thought it was fascinating. And so when we, I went to Raymond, they gave us that book as one of, our, as one of our, our books. And he wrote in there about the different ministers. And I'm telling you, some of the men in the, in the healing revival that were greatly used of God were scoundrels. Now, they would get in the pulpit and they would yield to the Holy Ghost, but they'd get out of the pulpit and they'd yield to the devil. I don't mean they were demon-possessed, but they were carnal. There's one man I'm thinking of, very well-known, very big name. I mean, a man of miracles. If I said his name, many of you would recognize him. A man of miracles. He was an alcoholic. While he was preaching and, and, and healing the sick, he would go on, on drinking binges and be, and be drunk for days and then he'd get himself cleaned up and he'd begin to repent. And, I mean, he just, they said he would repent to a degree that if you hurt him, it would break your heart. So sorrowful and so remorseful, he would just repent and God would forgive him and he'd go back in his crusades and tremendous miracles would take place. But you know, eventually that caught up with him. I said, eventually it caught up with him. And he died early in life because you can't continue to live a carnal life and have the anointing of God on you. That's what I mean by that. And in, and in his mercy, God is merciful enough. Thank God that he's merciful enough that when we are disobedient and rebellious, he will dial, dial down the anointing in our life. Thank God. Lest we think that God doesn't care and that we can just do anything we want to and we'll have the blessing of God and the favor of God. That's not the way it works. So there are many reasons why people today, believers, can never have the full measure of the spirit that Jesus had. Because like I said, he... he Remember this morning I said in his, his ministry is not in a class by itself, but as a person, he's in a class by himself. As a person, he is absolutely in a class by himself because he never sinned and he always yielded to the Father. None of us can say that. None of us can say, you know, Pastor, I always get it right. I never miss it. Every time the Spirit leads me, I always hear it and I always follow. I never miss it. Nobody can say that. He could say that. But the bigger reason is because of the unity of the body. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. 
Verse 12 and verse 27. For as the body, talking about the human body, is one and has many members, or you could say organs or parts, all the members of that one being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Go down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I am not the body of Christ. You are not the body of Christ but we are the body of Christ, okay? Now go with me to Romans 12, Romans 12. Romans 12, verse number three. For I say through the grace given to me, now this is Paul talking, and he's saying something, this is not just an introductory comment, there's something in these first few words of this verse. He said, I say to you, what I'm about to say, I'm saying through the grace given to me. He's saying, I'm, I have the grace given to me. There's grace given to me that enables me to say what I'm about to say. You could say this, Paul could not have said the rest of verse number three if the grace of God had not been given to him to say it. Paul was conscious of the fact that he was who he was by the grace of God. And see, we take that kind of as a general, generic term. Well, you know, I'm just by the grace of God. Now, it's, it's more than just this, this deference and just saying, well, you know, if it wasn't for God, I'd be a wreck. You know, that's, that's what we really mean by that. That's not what he was talking about. He was saying, what I'm about to say, I'm saying by virtue of having the grace to say it. For I say through the grace given to me. See, not everybody has the grace that he had to say what he said. Not everybody could say what he said. That's why God gave it to him because he was graced. He was given the assignment to fulfill the word of God, to fully round out and complete God's revelation to man. That, that assignment was given to the apostle Paul. Whew. That was the assignment given to the apostle Paul was to finalize and wrap up and fill out all of the blanks in the final revelation of God to man in the word. It's called the Pauline revelation. So he said, through the grace given to me, I say to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, one of the, one of the fundamental uh, teachings in the word of faith, going way back, word of faith guys will say that this, I think the older King James says, the measure of faith. And I know Bible teachers will emphasize that it's not a measure, it's the measure of faith. We all have the same, no it isn't, sorry, sorry. The word the is not in there. Look it up. Just look in your Greek New Testament when you get home, it's not there does not say the measure of faith. The, 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 the article, the, is not there. It is a measure of faith because not everybody has the same measure. To each one, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith for as we have many members in one body, this talk he's drawing on the, the illustrating using the human body, for as we in our physical bodies have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches and teaching, he who exhorts and exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is talking about people in the body of Christ who have certain graces upon them and the Holy Spirit equips them to do certain things because of that grace that's given to them. Some of them have to do with spiritual gifts. Some have to do with lifestyles and, 
and how they reach out to others in the body of Christ. All of these are various workings of the Spirit. And not, not any one of us has all of that. Some of us have teaching. Some of us have giving, liberality, that's giving. Now, can only people who have a teaching gift teach? No. Anybody can teach. If you know something, you can teach it. But somebody or some people are gifted to do it, some aren't gifted. But you can still teach. We can all give and we should give. We're taught to give. But some people are especially gifted with special provisions. They're specially anointed of the, of the Spirit of God to give. God flows through them in, in an unusual way. All of these other things, we should all uh, 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 reach out to one another, but then some people are, are more gifted in showing mercy and just have compassion for, well, we all have the love of God, but there are some people who are gifted in that. Well, thank God, we need those people. Just because someone is gifted in an area, don't look at somebody else and compare them and say, well, why, why aren't you like them? Because if you do, it comes back to you. Well, why aren't you like somebody else? <laughs> Mr. Hotshot. Isn't that right? See, go with me to John 1. John 1. Verse 16 says, And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. Of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. All of the grace that was evident in Jesus' ministry and life that's all, all of that grace is in his body. But not everybody has an equal measure of any of these graces. We have all received from his fullness and grace for grace. That, that means to one grace and to another, another grace. And to another, yet another grace. Or another measure of grace. Well, the same thing is true about the anointing. Now, I started talking about a man who came here and he said, uh, came up to me and he said, I don't agree with that. He said, I believe that when a person is baptized with the Holy Ghost, they have the full measure of the Holy Spirit. They have the same Holy Spirit, uh, the same degree of anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that wouldn't be possible. This person that talked to me is not in the full-time ministry. He's not in a ministry office. It wasn't then, still isn't. He's, 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 not, a, he's not a minister. He's not in the five-fold office. Well, you see right there, he doesn't have the anointing of the prophet or the apostle or the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist. See what I'm saying? But he said, oh, yeah, all, he, he's obviously claimed for himself that I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. I can do everything Jesus did. I have all the anointings that he had. Really? Well, why aren't you standing in all those offices? See, I made the statement this morning. I said, it could, could be a little confusing. Let me, put it, let me put it into balance. On the one hand, I don't remember exactly how I said it, but I presented it in such a way that what I'm saying now, none of, no one person will ever know the full measure of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And then a little later I said, but it's possible. Remember me saying that? It's possible. What I mean by that is the potential. The potential is there for every one of us 
In other words, the potential is there for you to operate in any of the anointings upon Jesus if the Spirit leads you that way. You, you, it's, the potential's there. There's nothing, there's nothing in, in you that disqualifies you. You're a son of God, a child of God, born again in the body of Christ. The potential is there. But because none of us have the same office and the same calling, then we're, none of us are going to do everything Jesus did. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do, and even greater works. And again, the potential is there, but there isn't gonna be any one of us in this life who's gonna walk in the fullness of everything Christ had because it goes back to we're not in the same category of person he was in. I don't always get it right. I don't always do everything the way God says to it. I don't always respond to the spirit perfectly. Now, I, I was raised in this environment, this, in this church environment, where we, we looked at the, the deity of Christ and not the humanity, and we excused ourselves. And we should say, when we talk about, you know, if there was uh, something going in the, on in the church or in somebody's life, you know, particularly if it was like uh, uh, church-wide, you know, something that really wasn't all that it should be, we would excuse ourselves and we'd say, well, you know, none of us are perfect. How many of you heard that? Well, none of us are perfect. That, that's usually uh, uh, spoken to give somebody a pass. Well, none of us are perfect. I mean, you know, we're not God, so... Yeah, but the potential, what, you know, there was, a, there was a disagreement going on in the church and some people got their feathers flustered a little bit, you know, and said some things harsh about somebody and, and, and somebody said, well, you know, after all, we're not perfect, you know. So-and-so got mad and they, you know, said something they shouldn't have said, but, you know, we're not perfect. Yeah, but they didn't have to do that. They could have yielded to the Spirit. That's what I'm saying. They could have yielded to the Holy Ghost. They could have not sinned. But even James, the apostle James said, he said, do not be many teachers knowing that we receive the greater judgment for in all things, or no, he said, for we all stumble. Remember him saying that? For we all stumble, we all stumble, we all make mistakes. And because of that, that's just talking about our basic fallen human nature. The apostle Paul even said, he said, I, I press that I might lay hold of, of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. And then he said in the next verse, he said, I do not consider myself to have laid hold of it. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things behind reaching for this thing that I've pressed for the mark prize, you know what I'm talking about. But he said, I do not consider myself to have laid hold of it. Well, if Paul hadn't laid hold of it, James hadn't laid hold of it, Peter hadn't laid hold of it, I mean, Peter and, 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 and the apostle Paul, I mean, they are like pillars in the church. And, pillar, and, and Peter, bless his heart, you know, when, when he was in Galatia, he would eat with the Gentiles, you know, go in with the Gentiles and eat because he remembered that vision he had, you know, of the, of the sheet let down, you know, and so he would go and eat with the Gentiles. But then when some, some people from Jerusalem came, the Judaizers, Judaizers came from Jerusalem and, and Peter separated himself and would no longer eat with the Gentiles because he didn't want to get in trouble with the people from Jerusalem and Paul had to call him out. Remember that? He said, I withstood him to his, to his face because he was to be blamed. He said, it got so bad, even Barnabas was, and Barnabas knew better than that. Even Barnabas got led into that mess. What I'm saying is none of us are perfect. The potential is there. But if you think that you will be able to one day walk in the full measure of the anointing of Christ, you are deluding yourself. I can tell you that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But on the other hand, anything you see, if you've got the faith for it, go for it. 
Amen. If you have the faith, go. If you have the faith for it, go for it. Because God, God, it, according to your calling, according to your calling, whatever is within your calling, whatever is within the grace of God, you see it in Jesus. Go for it. You can have it. Amen. See, the reason I'm saying this is, you know, this, uh, I talked to you, I don't have any idea how long I've been up here. I'll try to close this out, but I think I've been here a long time, but hallelujah. What am I, how am I doing? Oh, come on, check it out. What, how long have I been up here? Come on, somebody. Anyway, I'm not going to pay any attention anyway. Uh, the third waivers. I don't have a beef with the third waivers. My point is, there is, there has arisen another generation that thinks it knows more than the past generation. And when it comes to the revelation of truth, we build from generation to generation. We don't throw away what was revealed in the past. We build on that. Isn't that right? There, there, there is a generation that has arisen in the church that they think they know more and they're, they're leaving some of the fundamental principles of Pentecostal life and they call themselves the third wavers. In other words, the third move, the great third great move of the Holy Spirit, you know, in modern times. First one being the outpouring of, of the Holy Spirit and, you know, Azusa, the Pentecostal revival, the charismatic revival. Now they're the third wave and, and they've gone to saying, well, you know, not everybody's going to speak with tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit's the same thing as being born again. Well, dear Lord, that's reverting back. Why, why is that? It's because they weren't willing to listen to their elders so they weren't willing to listen to their elders. Don't follow somebody just because they have signs and wonders. Somebody said, well, you know, I follow so-and-so. You know, he's got all these signs and wonders. And I like, I, you know, he's cool, he's young, he's hip. And, and you know, he, 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 he follows Brother Hagin. Really? Really? Did he, did he go to Brother Hagin's meetings? Well, you know, no, Brother Hagin's been dead for a long time, so he didn't get to go, but uh, he follows it. I mean, yeah, well, who are, his, who are his mentors? See, I like to look into somebody's life and find out what, what, what shaped this minister. We're all shaped by something. We're all shaped by someone. I ask, who shaped this minister? Who were his mentors? Who, who spoke into his life? Who, was a, who had a formative influence on him? Those people follow the word of God like, like we know it, like it's been revealed? Did they, did they go to Brother Hagin's meetings? Were they at Winter Bible, camp meeting? Were they, were they really followers? See, I, I, we follow, like Paul said, we know what we believe. And the things which we have received, he said, hold on to those things. The things that you have heard, continue to do them. And then God will take us further. But you can't throw away the past or be ignorant of the past. I'm not going to follow someone who, who doesn't know at least what Kenneth Hagin knew. I'm not going to follow somebody that, that, that doesn't even know that much. They're from a different camp. Ask yourself this, if you're following somebody, if you're, if you're kind of interested in somebody because they're signs and wonders, ask yourself, if they weren't having signs and wonders, if they weren't healing the sick, and casting out devils and doing all the things, if they weren't doing those things, would you be following them? Would you be following them by virtue of the word they preach? Would you? If you can't say yes, you don't need to be following them. See, even, even the men in the, in the voice of healing days, Brother Hagin said, he said, when all of you guys are dead and gone, he said, I'll still be out there because you're building your ministry on the gifts of the Spirit. I'm building my ministry on the Word. He had gifts of the Spirit, but his ministry was built on the Word. Now, those guys that he was talking about, they had a measure of Word, 
They were all preachers. Healing evangelists didn't just get up and just walk out and start healing people. They were all preachers. And they had their messages, you know, their, their messages that they preached in every crusade they went. And they had scriptures that supported their ministry and what they were doing. In other words, they, they, they had some word. But what Brother Hagin was saying is that their ministry wasn't built on the full word of God. It wasn't full and balanced. That's what I liked about Brother Hagin. And he said, yeah, you've got gifts, but you're not, it's not, it, you're not building your ministry on the, on the word. You're building on these gifts, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to fade. So if you're following somebody because, they're, because they have wonderful things happening, would you be following them if they didn't have those things happening? Would you, would you be as excited about them just by the word they preach? Most of the time, you'd have to say, no, they don't really preach much. Amen? Be careful who you follow. Be careful who you follow. Because there, this, this, this is not any one group. This, this third wave is kind of a general expression. Somebody coined it. I don't even know if people are in it even use it. I'm just saying I read it. But, but there is a generation that, and, and of ministers who, who have arisen, and they, and they preach this idea that you as a Christian can do everything Jesus did. Well, again, the potential is there, but because of the frailty of, of human nature and the flesh and because of the callings of God and the gifts and callings of God that are different and the graces that are different, in one sense, yes, the potential is there, but in another sense, no, you're not. If Paul didn't do it, you're not going to do it. If Peter didn't do it, I'm not going to do it. If Brother Hagin didn't do it, so-and-so's not going to do it. You following me? Be careful who you follow in these last days. Because in these last days, I had no idea that I was going to say earlier by the Spirit of God what I said. I wasn't meditating on that. But I'm saying now that, that in these last days, there will be more revelation. But it'll be along the lines of that that we have received because God did something amazing when he raised up Kenneth Hagin. I mean, you can say what you want to, but Brother Hagin, you know, he, he also, I'm just an ordinary man. Yeah, you're an ordinary man, but not too many ordinary men have an angel or have Jesus come down on a cloud to their mother before they were born. That's not common. And it's not common for, for Jesus to say, you know, I've raised up this man and he, I've brought him into the earth to be a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not said about very many men. Not very many men experience the brother. The Lord told Brother Hagin in one of the visions, he said, I've taught you faith through the word and by the experiences you've had. He says, I've allowed you to have certain experiences and by these experiences and by the word, I've taught you faith. Have you had the experiences he had? No. What I'm saying is, God raised up Kenneth Hagin to bring the word of faith to the world. And we have to, we, we cannot discard that or adapt something that's different than that. No, we build on that. We build, it, 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 there's more to know and more to understand but, but we're, we're, not gonna, we're not going to go a different direction. We're going to go the same direction and, and go deeper. When God told Solomon to build the temple, he said, now you build, this, you build the temple and you follow the exact pattern that your father gave. Because God gave the plan to the temple to David. Only he said, you can't, he told David, you can't, you're a man of war and you're not going to be able to build the temple. But he gave David the plan and Solomon followed it to the letter. Solomon didn't say, well, I'm glad dad's gone. Well, that old fogey, I thought he'd never get out of here. This won't work. This plan for the temple, I mean, I know David and my dad was a good guy, but this will never work. I've got a better idea. No, he followed exactly the plan that was laid out. Well, revelation from the spirit of God comes and, and, and it builds. 
It builds. Everything in the word of faith movement is built on everything that came before it. The truth that came before it. Not the, not the, 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 the traditions of men, but the truth that came before it. The word of faith was built on all of that. That's why it's so balanced. It's so, it's so uh, uh, in harmony with all of the great teachings of the Bible. It's not out of sync with any of it. It's because it's built on that foundation. Well, God's taken us further. Amen? Let's not get sidetracked. Amen? Following after somebody that'll give you a pipe dream, give you a fanciful illusion of something that's not scriptural. Amen. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That you can, that you can, the potential is there to do everything Christ did, but we know that as human beings, we, we don't always hit the mark right. We don't always get it right. Amen. And because of that, we're not going to always do everything Jesus did. Well, praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.